Welcome to the Ohio State University Summer Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, August 30th, 2009 at the Jerome Schottenstein Center. 1,201 graduates receive their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Ohio Supreme Court Chief Justice Thomas J. Moore. to the 389th commencement of The Ohio State University. Yeah, let's give ourselves a round of applause, right. We are pleased to have um, you as honored guests as this university bestows academic degrees upon today's graduates. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you see before me in the graduates, behind me, and on the sides here in these faculty and around me in this staff, the reasons why The Ohio State University is such a remarkable institution. Ohio State is this nation's largest, most comprehensive university. We have more of everything, academic programs, students, even parking spaces, though uh, naturally never one, uh, never one when you need it the most, I can assure you. We even have more commencements than most universities. We do this four times a year, and you chose summer, or maybe you did not choose it. Some in this class are teachers who have a who have a great answer to the question, what did you do on your summer vacation? They completed another degree. Some graduates spent the spring off campus with internships or studying abroad and they wrapped up loose ends this quarter. All of you spent this summer in class, in the lab, in front of a computer and for the past few weeks in our newly renovated Thompson Library. While friends were hitting the beaches, these graduates were hitting the books. And for that, we applaud your achievement today. During your time, yes, let's do that, okay? I hope it's worth the trade-off. During your time here, you have used Ohio State's breadth to great advantage. From art history to zoology and everything between A and Z, you have sampled disciplines that will inform and enhance your life experience. Your Ohio State education is both powerful and relevant. You have acquired sharper focus that provides direction, new knowledge that enables action, and deeper compassion that spurs lasting change. You are ready to lead and ready to serve, and we need you now more than ever. As you think of the substantial global task you face, recall your struggles and successes here. You will be undaunted by the scale of those new responsibilities and undeterred in your determination to find solutions. On this campus, on this spot, you have met the world in the curriculum and as classmates, faculty, and friends. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ohio State, but the world is here with us today. In this one ceremony, we welcome families and graduates from across Ohio, around the United States, and from all corners of the globe. In this one ceremony, all degrees are awarded by all colleges and disciplines. In this one ceremony, we celebrate one extraordinary university. 
All of you are now fully a part of the Ohio State University family, connected to this university not simply by a diploma, but by something intangible and immensely powerful. We were brought together by opportunity and are joined forever by a spirit that is unmatched. Throughout your lives, wherever you find yourselves, the Ohio State family will hold you in its embrace. You never really leave Ohio State, nor does it leave you. I know that. It's like an infection. We will get together on special occasions, a concert, a reunion, an art exhibition, perhaps at a, another commencement ceremony for your next degree. We will always be here and we will always welcome you back. As members of the Ohio State family, we are connected by a very special scarlet and gray bond, one that follows you halfway around the world and folds you in its arms. Wherever you go, whatever you do, Ohio State is part of you. So today, we can truly say that time and change will surely show how firm our friendship, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, I now have the honor and pleasure of introducing today's speaker. Thomas Moyer, Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, is a longtime advocate and friend of the Ohio State University. Not only that, but he is further proof that great things come in pairs. Shoes, chopsticks, turtle doves, and not one but two degrees from Ohio State. Thomas Moyer's work has influenced both families and nations. His career path to controlling the most powerful gavel in the state was an interesting one. He served as a judge on the 10th District Court of Appeals in Franklin County, an executive assistant to Governor James Rhodes, and worked in private practice in Columbus. Today, as Ohio's longest serving Chief Justice, he is widely regarded as a leader in judicial ethics reform, alternative dispute resolutions, and judicial education programs. He has been at the forefront in developing family courts in a comprehensive, uh, and a comprehensive approach to resolving criminal and civil issues confronting families. His work extends well beyond our neighborhoods and our state. He works with lawyers and judges in other countries, including China, Korea, Argentina, and Chile, to help develop independent judiciaries. After Ukraine gained its independence, he led efforts to introduce that country to the importance of the rule of law. Throughout his distinguished career, Thomas Moyer always found time to give back to the Scarlet and Gray. His work on behalf of the university includes service on the Alumni Association Board of Directors, which he also chaired for two years. As you might guess, Chief Justice Moyer's list of honors is long and distinguished. He's received awards from some of the most prestigious judicial organizations, including the American Judicature Society and the Ohio State Bar Association. He has received nearly every recognition his alma mater bestows, including an honorary degree. He also holds honorary degrees from the University of Akron, Defiance College, and Miami University. So ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to introduce one of Ohio's greatest public servants and one of our most accomplished alumni. Please join me in welcome, welcoming Ohio Supreme Court Justice Thomas Moyer. Tom? Thank you, Vice Chair Davidson, members of the Board of Trustees, President Gee, faculty, staff, families, and guests, and of course, most of all, the graduates, the class, one of the classes of graduation ceremonies of uh, the class of 2009. And congratulations to uh, those persons who are receiving very special recognition for what they have given to this university. I, of course, am honored to be uh, selected to share this brief moment in time to, to share some thoughts with you. It'll be brief, 
Um, and this is a very important day in your life. I recognize that. This is an, a high honor for me. The Ohio State University has, as uh, President Gee has indicated, has prepared uh, me certainly for my career and for my life after life here at the Ohio State University. Uh, and it continues as an alumnus of the university and the many, many opportunities you will have, I have had and all of us have had, to continue our connection with the university. And Gordon, let me say that uh, it's a particular personal pleasure for me to, uh, to receive this distinction, this honor of presenting brief comments uh, during your watch. Actually, it's your second watch. And I, I was here when he was here before, and I'm still here. So welcome back, Gordon, after many years back. Well, today is about celebration and all that goes with it, the flips of the tassel and pats on the back. To all of you, students, families, best friends alike who helped uh, the students through, congratulations. To the faculty, thank you. You have given one of the most valuable gifts to a graduating class, a gift of knowledge. Former Chrysler executive Lee Iacocca, remember him? He said uh, this, in a completely rational society, the best of us would be teachers and the rest of us would have to settle for something less because passing along civilization from one generation to the next ought to be the highest honor and highest responsibility anyone can have. This very special occasion is designated as a commencement, a new beginning. So I have one more lesson that stays true, I think, to the Socratic method. The question is to the graduates, what now? What now? You will soon be handed your diploma, but, but what now? What do the generations represented here do with the knowledge that produced the diploma? Is your goal to make a million dollars? Do you invent the next iPhone or the next search engine? There's a partial answer, I guess. Those are the easy questions. The question is no longer, can we invent technology? Certainly we can. The difficult question is, what do we do with the technology we have developed, the tools we have developed? And is our life better for it? I suppose the answer is mixed. The human genome has been mapped, but now what? How should this information be used to cure genetic defects, to create designer babies? Your generation will provide some of the answers. This is your world, as President Gee said. Human design is once again on the drawing board, and you hold the drafting pen. No looking at your neighbor's desk for an answer. There is more than one reason teachers do not allow students uh, to have wandering eyes during an exam. In the great final exam of humankind, you provide the answer. The generation represented by most of you will test the limits of artificial intelligence and extend the boundaries of space travel. Your generation will be the one to shrink our carbon footprint and restock the polar ice caps. Yours is a future of prodigious challenges. You've been handed a torch and now it is your choice to design the path that will be lit by the torch. Challenges torch, most every graduate's been exposed to the sentiment expressed in those words, but let's take the thought a little further. America is, as we know, as a conglomeration of diverse cultures with roots reaching in all directions beyond our borders. But with few exceptions, we have always been unified 
by principles of freedom of thought, freedom of expression, and respect for the views of others. It can be identified by the simple word, we hear it frequently now, but we don't see it enough, civility. Even more important than the questions I posed to you earlier is the means by which we produce the answers to those questions. Well, we can choose sides. We can be disrespectful of another view. We can prevent one another from being heard when someone is expressing their right to be heard. We can remove the excitement and the promise of creating answers to important uh, issues through thoughtful conversation, if we wish, if we wish to continue doing that. Or we can breathe new life into a very old concept, civility. The Roman statesman Cicero wrote tirelessly about the need for civility in public conversation, cautioning us to be gentle and without a trace of intransigence. Civility, of course, requires respect, respect for ideas, respect for persons, and respect for the institutions that have held together our nation in times of revolution, civil war, and economic uncertainties. Civility is its really not a quaint notion. Civility allows the architect and the fiscal officer to agree on the scope of a basketball arena, the pedagogical detail of the restoration of a magnificent university library, and yes, even a discussion about the level of school tuition. Civility constrained the passion when our founding fathers drafted the United States Constitution. It allowed President Lincoln to reach across the Mason-Dixon line to pull together a fractured nation. And civility fueled the airlift of the Marshall Plan when the victorious nations of World War II fed those who were conquered. Civility requires no operator's manual, no updates to download, no complicated set of rules. It is simple, it is straightforward, and it produces positive and constructive human interaction. Civility may be the forum for our civic discussions, for our informal interaction, but that discussion is captured in all its colorful hues in our laws and in our constitutions. When passion inflames our differences, the American tradition draws us back to a more formal appreciation of civility, our laws, our constitutions, the documents that embody the principles and ideals that make us uniquely American. Think of the power, the clarity of we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect government. It's a document spirited with passion, but considerate of the vast opinions and ideals of all who wish to be American citizens. Our constitutions and laws are the, the civic diaries, the journalized entries of our limits and our ideals, our expectations and our principles. That is why, that is why each generation is the guardian of those ideals. My generation, your generation, must above all else strive to protect the rule of law because all of the principles embody who we are as a nation. The rule of law is not to be taken for granted and is not just for lawyers and judges to, to, to tender. It's for all of us. It must be polished and burnished. Each generation must breathe new meaning, new life into our legal institutions, our faith, and our confidence in the rule of law. Judicial and other leaders from all points on the compass send delegations to the United States, many of them to Ohio, 
to study the American system of justice. They don't come because we are perfect, but they come because we are a model for those who seek to observe a justice system founded upon, and for the most part, practicing the fundamental principles of fairness, equality, consistent application of the rules. Because the law draws its strength from many voices, it naturally falls into a symmetry, carefully shaping our complexities as a nation into some balance, into a natural order. There is harmony and there is proportion. As one lawyer observed, the law provides, quote, the perfect reconciliation of the sensual and rational parts of human nature. If you look beyond the moment, we find there is beauty in the law. Like brushed oaks on canvas, law brings form to cloudy images of the mind. The beauty of law is found in the text of our long-held beliefs in liberty and freedom and fairness. It is found in the contract that brings shape and hope to and promise of a new beginning. The beauty of law, in my humble opinion, is that it is the product of the ages, wrapped in the opinion of the moment. The law takes its spirit from Aristotle, from Cook and Aquinas, and is applied to the disorder and the unruliness of mankind, just as an artist borrows from Michelangelo, Botticelli, and Van Gogh. Law is sort of our seamless connection with, with the past. The rabbi and the minister guide us to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The psalm tells us that the Lord's law, the historical inspiration of natural law, is sure, right, and clear. It's desired more than gold. Well, the most visible symbols of beauty of the law are the centerpieces of our communities, our courthouses. All 88 counties have a courthouse sometimes ornate like a Rembrandt painting, others strong as a Wagner opera. The broad marble halls, the columns of many of our historic courthouses are typical of the architectural symbols of our civil aesthetics, symbols that remind us that the rule of law anchors a civilized society. Imagine, imagine if you could have sat in a courtroom as Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryan eloquently, artistically argued the Scopes trial in a brutally hot Tennessee courtroom. The enduring qualities of the Scopes case were captured in the elegant reporting of noted journalist H.L. Mencken and then, of course, again in the book and play, Inherit the Wind. Judge William Boodle, you don't recognize Judge William Boodle unless you're from Georgia. He's a, he's a federal judge who lived until 104. Judge Marbley, take, take note, federal judges lived very long. He certainly appreciated the beauty of the law. He told an audience, pity the person, if such there be, who can go through life reading, studying, teaching, and practicing law and adjudicating cases without ever beholding the beauty of the work material and the grandeur of the work product. Such a person would be like the man who thinks he is pushing a wheelbarrow, but he's actually building a cathedral. Great theater as both conflict and compassion, a strong crescendo, crescendo that gracefully gives way to a satisfying resolution. Not so different than the real-life story uncovered by home foreclosure mediators across the state. It is a work of beauty when a homeowner and a lender sit across from each other, not enough of them yet, but they do, guided by someone trained to promote resolution, not conflict. To see beauty in the law, all one needs to do is witness a drug court graduation ceremony. The ceremony may include a simple poem, 
even a song written by a graduate of the drug court program, in which they have received counseling, suppressed their addiction, and regained control of their lives. This is real life art and literature. It is beautiful courtroom drama. It's American storytelling wrapped in opportunity at redemption that would rival any Jimmy Stewart movie. Well, the law is beautiful when it reveals the human side, when the justice system demonstrates compassion and concern for the greater good of society. The law helps the needy, it makes commerce possible, it protects us when we say something unpopular. In its own gentle way, it just may encourage you to drive something close to the speed limit when you leave here. Law, as Alexander Hamilton said, is the cement, the cement that, that binds us. Yet, it is so much more, is it not? One day soon, in fact, just a few minutes, you will be the artist as you set off on your, or, or continue your, your course, your chosen profession or career, and participate in the glorious debate of civil society. So as you leave this building and re-enter the world outside, diploma in hand, go, go and continue building your cathedrals. Congratulations and best wishes. Thank you, thank you. Well, graduates, this is a glorious day in the life of the university and a significant milestone in your life. You've worked tirelessly for years with this day in mind. You have accomplished your goal and you are graduating into a world that is, without question, uncertain and challenging. And yet, you graduate not a moment too soon. We need your knowledge and skills, your innovation and ideas, your energy, your enthusiasm, your ethics. We need you to help reimagine a shared future, discover a new path, and lead us all to an even brighter future. None of that will be easy, of course. Navigating these difficult waters will require a great deal of effort. But I have seen what you can do, and I believe in you fully and completely. On your journey to this day, you have charted your own course and conquered many things that seemed at first nearly impossible. But you persevered. Your participation in this ceremony today proves your mastery of the campus, the classroom, and the laboratory. Yet during your time at the university, you have accomplished a great deal more. You have made lasting friendships. You have challenged yourselves in every conceivable way. You have already created masterworks in dozens of academic fields, in music, literature, and the arts, in new materials, new processes, and new technologies. And you have reached out to improve the lives of others, providing hands-on help in the neighborhoods that surround our campus, in towns across Ohio, in villages in Central America, in the cities of Europe and Asia, and in so many other places where help was needed. Indeed, this community, this state, and the world became your neighborhood. And in many ways, the world has come to us as well. Scores of today's graduates come from across the, the globe. Richard. Arnold has joined us from London, England, and today he receives his doctorate in comparative politics. Richard's journey to Ohio State was not a smooth one. In 1997, when he was 15 years old, he suffered a very serious head injury in a fall. At first unable to walk, eat, or talk, his parents nursed him back to health. Today I am obviously happy to report that Richard's parents have joined us from England to watch him walk across the stage to receive his doctorate. Talented students also come from just down the street. Ellis Robinson is from Upper Arlington and is 
and he is graduating magna cum laude with honors in chemical engineering. His goal is to use environmental engineering to help ease the burdens of those living in extreme poverty. And he has made quite a start already. Here at the university, he served as president of the student group Engineers for Community Service. He also coordinated outreach activities at a Honduran orphanage, led an engineering service trip to Guatemala, and raised money for Habitat for Humanity. His extraordinary work was recognized nationally with the 2008 Udall Prize. This fall, Ellis is starting doctoral work in chemical engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. Columbus native Aaron Fitzsimons graduates today with a doctorate in physical therapy. Apparently, Aaron needed to add a bit more excitement to her commencement weekend. Just yesterday, she rode 50 miles in the inaugural Pelotonia bike ride to raise funds for our comprehensive cancer center. In a few weeks, Aaron will start her new job at our medical center, where she will work with infants in our neonatal care unit. Women's basketball fans will know this name, Marcilla Packer, a number of a member of four straight Big Ten championship teams. Marcella was known as one of the nation's finest three-point shooters. In response to a reporter's question about her focus on the big shots, Marcella always uh, replied uh, very simply, why not go big? Our wonderfully big Ohio State University is fortunate to have her as an alumna. She graduates today with a bachelor's degree in communications. Stacy Winnick is another young woman with a clear sense of purpose, having finished her undergraduate program in just over three years. To make that feat truly remarkable, Stacy also served as one of, our, uh, one of the college ambassadors, studied abroad in Brazil, and completed no fewer than four internships. She graduates with a bachelor's degree in agribusiness and applied economics. To, uh, today, for us, it is truly fortunate that Stacy is staying right here to pursue her master's degree in agricultural communications this fall. The academic paths of today's graduates have not all been quite so single-minded. Indeed, Paul Melko appears to have three minds, or maybe it is just three lives. For the past, four, uh, for the past few years, the 41-year-old father of four has spent his days working at Nationwide Insurance Company and his nights working on his MBA, which he receives today. If you're keeping track, those are two of Paul's identities. His third is as an award-winning science fiction writer. His novel, Singularity's Ring, was published last year and recently won the Locus Award as well as the Compton Crook Award, both for Best First Science Fiction Novel. So I congratulate Paul on all counts. So ladies and gentlemen, Ohio State has challenged all of us today and all of today's graduates to think about big issues and even bigger solutions. Graduates, today you begin a new phase of your journey. So I do not, nor, nor do I ever wish you farewell, but I wish that you will Farewell. I therefore send you forth with a few words of advice, as I am wont to do on these occasions. And the first of those is, live every day as the person you want to be. Understand that a six-hour energy shot will never replace a good night's sleep. Be aggressive in your job search, and no, searchingmonster.com does not count as aggressive. Do not cut your own hair. Spend time in a country where you know no one and have no fixed itinerary. Voice your opinions and listen respectfully to people who disagree with them. Communicate with more than your thumbs. Have a face-to-face -face conversation. Only judge others if you are holding a gavel in honor of our judge. Keep reading, keep asking questions, and maintain for the rest of your life every bit as much passion for learning as you have at this moment. 
Complain less. Complain less and laugh more and dance when you can. Remember to call home. Remember to RSVP. Remember to say thank you. And always, always remember your alma mater. We will not forget you. So ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for all that you do for giving me the honor to be part of this most remarkable university. I will tell you this, there is nowhere on earth I would rather be than this great state of Ohio and the Ohio State University. So I offer my personal congratulations, my admiration, my affection, my respect, and my best wishes, and I say to all of you, Godspeed on what is going to be a truly remarkable journey.